Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 138 with our guests, Sarah and Steve Bolander. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We are coming to you live face-to-face from the Propelify Innovation Festival outdoors, albeit, good word by the way, albeit raining. It's a little bit of a raining, rainy day, but that's never kept any of us away before. We're in beautiful Hoboken, New Jersey, the Aaron Price-created event. Propelify, I'm sitting face-to-face and across from husband and wife team, the founders of Chop Barbershop. It is Sarah and Steve Bolander. Welcome, guys. So good to have you here. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. It's great. How are you feeling, by the way, about this very experience right here, right now? You're at an outdoor festival, and uh, you're on a you're on a podcast, ready to tell your story. It, it's pretty exciting. It, it's uh, you know I, I feel honored to be here, and. Um, I think we're we're just enjoying it. Yeah, it's, been, it's very surreal, actually. Uh, being in business for only four years, it's been it's been just a ride, and this is another high on the ride. So, you've been in business for four years, you said, meaning that's when you opened up Chop Barbershop. Correct. Yeah. Now I know Steve, you are you you already were chopping hair. Whatever the term is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Sarah, you were in fact uh, a lawyer. Yes. An a interesting lawyer. turn of events. Yes, it was. Uh, no idea that I would actually one day become an entrepreneur. I had always thought that was my lot in life, and that's what I would do. It was your lot in life, but you, for whatever reason, um, went out and grabbed that role, or did somebody sort of push you into, hey, you should become a lawyer? Um, I think from a young age, I was the kind of person who who spoke a lot. I was very uh, outspoken, and so people would always say to me, she's going to be a lawyer one day, and that resonated. So I think that was probably a good reason why I chose to do it. I, I have the impression that lawyers work 80 hours a day, practically. Is there <laughs> is there truth to that? There is in private practice, and uh, Steve and I have three kids, and so it was a it was a tough role. Once the third uh, was on the way, it became very difficult. And you, I'm sure, that quality though translates very well into your current role as an entrepreneur. 
Yes, funny enough, actually, I think I never quite fit the lawyer world uh, because I was much more of an entrepreneurial spirit. So um, lawyers tend to be very meticulous people and perfection is highly, it's just an expected piece of what you do as a lawyer that you are going to turn out a perfect product with no typos. Um, and that you're you know, never going to make mistakes because mistakes are costly in the legal world. But I was always on the go, moving nonstop. I suffered from uh, ADHD from a young age, as many entrepreneurs do. Almost every entrepreneurial story I hear starts with, I suffered from ADHD. Well, I did too. And so as a lawyer, I could quickly figure out legal issues. And I was very good at articulating uh, my defenses, but when it came to executing a written document in a perfect manner, I struggled. And I think any employer I, I had going back over the years would say she was great at, at thinking things through, but when it came to executing it, we always had to check her. We always had to have somebody to check her. So uh, it turns out uh, the whole time maybe I was meant to be an entrepreneur and I, they were all pushing me towards it and I didn't realize it. Am I reading this correctly? Are you saying that a lot of the strengths and traits and characteristics of a successful lawyer are counter to what would make a successful entrepreneur? I believe that that is true, yes. And I, I, it's interesting because we just went to an award ceremony for uh, the Seminole 100. I went to Florida State University and our company did very well in, in the count. We were number six out of 100. But they had uh, groups of people line up for pictures at the end of the program, and they put all of the entrepreneurial graduates together and all of the accounting graduates came to lawyers. There's only four people on that stand out of 100. So, yeah, wow. I would have to say that lawyers are more steady. They're more perfectionistic. I think that those things might hinder an entrepreneurial growth. Let's turn to you for a minute, Steve. You you seem to always embody, encompass, and pursue the entrepreneurial role. Is that is that right? Well, I think it was more of um, I, I had been working, but it was independent. So I, yes, I was in, I was independently uh, going on my own, but Sarah would do my taxes and you know and make sure things would she was kind of i would treat her like oh she's my attorney and make sure i was good legally but then i i i didn't really care about like rules and all that i would just work hard and just you know put it in there and dream i guess i was more of the dreamer type than the one that would have the vision to push through she kind of forced me into it and it it worked out but i was i was always not yet. You know, we're having a baby. Oh, we got a new car. Let's not do it yet. But I would keep drawing in my notebook of what I envisioned. For the business. For, yeah. For, for, for the barber shop. Yeah. If I, if I could do it myself, this is what I would do. And Sarah kept finding the notebook and she yeah. would. And you kept finding the excuses. Exactly. There was exactly. Lives. I was really good at excuses. Why do you think that is? Why was uh, that? I think I, I don't like, um, as, as I've learned, she, she got me into this emotional intelligence and disc and all that. And so. She got me into the idea that um, I don't like change, um, and so uh, and I fought that because you know I was like, well, you, you know, as husband and wife, yeah, I'm always right. She's always wrong when we're arguing, and I, I was like, I, I like change. I mean, I 
I drove home different the yeah. other day. Yeah, I put my right shoe on yeah. first. Yeah, I wore different jeans. I'll change with the yeah. best of them. So there. But um, you so would have been happy just going with your private clients. Deep, and deep down, I wouldn't have been, to be honest. Obviously, yeah. So, um, but I was, I was scared. I was scared. And what do you think you were scared of? I, I think of of the actual change and the the amount of work I was going to have to do and what we would put our family through and all that. And and I always envision jumping off a diving board. Because I don't like heights and I can't swim, so I feel like it's a long way up, it's a long way out, and right. it's a long way down. But once you hit the water, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of the pool, and so I kind of envisioned that, and I was like, okay, we just jumped off the diving board, and um, yeah. jumped in and, and went with it. What I what I read, Sarah, was that you helped Steve pursue his dream. Mm-hmm. How did that become your dream as well? At what point did you take ownership and say, you know what, we are doing this? I'm do-. like, like, was it just, I, I need, I need better for you, or you need better for you, or we need better for us? What was that switch that you took the reins for his dream and pushed yeah. him in that direction? It was a, it was a slow transition, but in the beginning, it was more about watching him just kind of, he was getting deflated in, in his role, and I could see. He was unhappy, and and wives don't tend to like seeing their husbands unhappy. So, I have a, a quality that some people don't really love about me, but I'm a pusher by nature, and I'll make a decision very quickly because I'm a dominant personality, unfortunately, on the disc scale. Um, I'll make a decision that somebody needs this in their life, a solution that they need to make them happy. And it was just in my head that his solution was to do this barbershop that he loved. And so I pushed and I pushed and I pushed, and he finally, um, when I when I did a financial analysis, and this is something that we talk about a lot with young entrepreneurs, um, I broke down a business plan and I said, you know, you're paying this in rent right now. You're going to pay this in rent if we do this particular location. You can't lose on this one. Worst case scenario, you break even. So it was a conservative decision. It wasn't like we were going into tons of debt to make the, the leap. And so he, he talked to a good friend, Danny Rainey, who now is a co-owner. And he's a barber, and uh, Steve is a barber but does mainly women's hair. And the two of them decided to open the small store, which was a conservative call. But um, at that point, my design side took over. So I'm very, very much into um, design, and I spent a lot of time watching HGTV at that time in our lives. And I was very excited about bringing his concept to life. So uh, I was able to do that, and then we got it going, and we kind of thought that was it. Like, I'd sit back and keep going and doing what I did, and he would just, you know. You were still in law at this point. Yes, I was teaching professionalism for the Florida Bar at this point. Two lawyers, which is a really fun job. Um, uh, to lo- lawyers who had gotten in trouble, actually, I was um, teaching them professionalism, and so that's how I got into emotional intelligence and trying to, you know, really get to the heart of the matter with professionalism. Can we talk about that for one minute? I want to hear from both of you because you mentioned it, emotional intelligence, and you mentioned EI before as well. What exactly is it? Uh, I- well, I guess the it's the ability to—it's um, an ability to read yours and others' emotions. Yeah, so you'll kind of mirror each other, and so like as I've always thought, being cutting hair for so long, I always knew that I could sum up about eight different personalities and clients, but I never knew why. And then she got talking about it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that 
is exactly what I've been thinking. Only it was like, I think, four. And that's, then sometimes they say there's a fifth one now. Uh, that's actually DISC. So I, I taught both. I learned and taught both. But DISC is a, a personality profiling. Uh, just a quick rundown. Yeah. D's are dominant doers. You. I'm a straight D, yeah. <laughs> I's are um, talkers, and they're very likable. Their number one fear is being liked, and so they're they're very um, over-the-top personalities that everybody loves to be around. Um, the S's are the steady supportives, uh, and they are great people to have in your organization to help put your processes in place and keep them moving. They don't like change, though. And then the C's are the uh, accountant, very fact-driven, um, analytical types. And so the D's, the I's, the S's, and the C's live in harmony. And they're just not one is a bad thing to be. And actually, every organization would benefit to have every single type, if you think about it. So, Steve, you're the I? Yeah, yeah. I'm like uh, what I've been referred to as the cheerleader. Um, and they've told me to put my pom-poms away at times. So, because I'm like, they're not a bad person. They're great. I mean, look how happy they are. And they're like, put your pom-poms away. We're going to fire them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, golly, stinks. But, um, you know, I guess I just, you know, I might think more with my heart than my brain. And, um, and so, you know, I just kind of go with like what feels good and what looks good. And, you know, Sarah will break it down a little bit more with, um, like a, a schedule or a plan and um every business needs yeah each of you by the way right yeah. right I, and it has been a great team it has. um you know we'll butt heads especially as um you know uh, co-owners and and uh, a married couple but Fun i always funnily. know we're gonna push out a great product and funny enough a lot of married couples are a ds combo or a di combo and is that, for better or worse, is that ideal or? It is because two Ds would probably butt heads. They're going to want to do it. They're going to want to do it their way. And so, yeah, yeah that would be a tumultuous. I do think that being aware of it was a bigger part. Like once you once you know what's going on and you actually do that kind of research or that test, then you can give a little bit more grace to your business partner or to your spouse. And you're like, okay. And, and I'll even say like, you're Ding pretty hard right now. Like when we're traveling and she's, she's Ding all over the map if that's not and Ding all over the car. And so, but it'll at least kind of like put her in check a little bit. Will um, it? Uh, it does, it does, because like going back to emotional intelligence, the D's and the, and the C's on the spectrum need emotional intelligence in their lives more than the S's and, I mean, the I's and the S's. I's and S's are naturally empathetic people. Yes, we are, for the record. Yeah. yeah. Present company included, with yeah. the I there. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and we had spoken about that before we went on the air about my brand and uh, the the podcast, The Hidden Entrepreneur, because I spent a lifetime hiding, just wanting to be liked, yeah. seeking that approval and validation externally. Just needed a D to push you right out there. No. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? Let's talk about your... You have three beautiful children at home now. We Correct. do. And... Uh, Tell me what happened with the birth of your third child. So, uh, the birth of my third child went okay, but then uh, shortly after that, I had some issues and I had to go to a doctor. Um, and the doctor scheduled me for a routine procedure. Uh, me being a D, a doer, I was like, let's get this done. I need to get back on, you know, my stuff. I can't be set 
back like this, and so Steve took me to the hospital, and I, he's an eye, so he was joking the whole time with everybody around us, you know, to get everybody to like him. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, he said, you know, I, I kind of looked at him weirdly, and I was like, look, what, you know, what if I'm not okay? And he's like, no, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Um, Why did you think that? Just like a natural fear of, the, of a hospital, like you go in for anything, yeah. things happen? No, I'm a lawyer, so I've, I, as a lawyer, I had read many cases where things didn't go well. Oh, so wow. I had, gotcha. I had okay. more knowledge than yeah. the average person in that situation. So you so. said, what if I'm not okay? Yeah, and he jokingly was like, oh, come on, you know, I'm not doing this without you. We've, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take care of that baby. You know, you, it's your job to do so. I had my pom poms out. Yeah, you're um, coming home. Yeah. yeah, you got it. And then the next thing I remember is at, from going under was um, waking up and my doctor was screaming and she, she was. Um, I was screaming. We were both screaming. I was screaming in pain and she was screaming and crying and basically saying, "I'm doing everything I can. I, I'm trying. I'm trying." And then I went back out at that point, and that's kind of my only memory of the actual incident. Um, but apparently, the, when the procedure happened, things went horribly wrong, um, and I, I hemorrhaged. So uh, they had to get some doctors to jump in to help, and uh, they went and talked to Steve during that time period to tell him to prepare. Yeah, it was a little scary when the doctor came out and Said. Because you expected 30 minutes or less, like right. a Domino's pizza. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, it turned into, it was everybody else left the, you know, the waiting room, and I'm by myself. And around the fifth or sixth hour, the doctor came out white-faced and was, like, shaking her head in a no way and just said, it's not going well. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, what, like, why are you talking to me? Like, why, what, no, this isn't happening. And she said, uh, we're going to have to give her transfusions and everything and, and do the works on her. And uh, it was about 11 hours total and 11 before I could see her. So they gave me 11 transfusions, and then I woke up in the hospital room after that. Um, Steve, when when you were going through that five-hour chunk of, okay, I literally don't really know what's going on, obviously your mind plays out every scenario. How were you, what were you doing? How were you staying grounded? Are you like a positive thinking guy? Are you a praying guy? Uh, yeah, I, were you I'm, an angry I'm, guy throwing? I'm, I'm, what was I'm definitely a praying guy. Okay. And um, so I just, I just prayed. It's like all I know to do is, is try to be positive. Um, pray for the best thing and then focus on the positive. Um, of course, your mind will wander and it'll go to a dark, dark place. But I had to try to figure out a way to get back out and, um, you know, uh, and, and try to try to do the best I could and, and reach out to just certain people that I knew that would be positive and that would pray. I, I didn't want to you don't want to vomit it on Facebook or I don't want negativity to be spoken over me or my family and so I just felt like I'll just keep it close to a couple of her good friends and, and my mom and her mom and and then of course you know visualizing us having a life without her and I was it was rough it's rough what about you Sarah what were you when you were awake conscious uh, understanding the magnitude of what was going on where did your mind go uh, so at the at the time, it's funny, when you're a dominant personality, you think you can push through anything. And that was the first time in my life where I, I couldn't control it. And um, 
as a, as a dominant personality, control is your number one fear. And so I was forced to lose control over my life in that moment, not knowing if I was going to live or die. And so I panicked and my uh, pulse rate went sky high. And the doctor was again panicking in front of me and was like, I think we're going to have to go back in. And then my pulse rate went even higher just to hear those words because I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew I was in the worst pain I'd ever been in. And, and I, you know, just wanted the pain to stop. So a young nurse in the corner, she must have been like 20, 23 or 24. She came out of the, of the corner and, and told the doctor, OK, look. Just give me five minutes with her. Just give me five minutes with her. And um, my husband said, why don't we just try one more transfusion? And so he left, and uh, they left me with the nurse, and she sat with me, and she just whispered in my ear, you know, and, and put her hands on me and just kept rubbing me and saying, you're going to be okay. This is what's happened. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And my pulse rate slowly came down, and I believe to this day that that young nurse saved my life. But I think she taught me something even more that I needed to know as a, as a person who focused on results and not people. She taught me that I have to stop. I have to stop pushing all the time for results and not taking time to really connect with other people. I'm literally choked up. It's a beautiful story. Um, it's with obviously a beautiful ending. Um, it's, it's amazing that so many people in that scenario, unfortunately, quote unquote, need a situation like that to pull them out of it, to smack them around and say, hey, you know, things could happen if you don't. I mean, you know, we hear it all the time, but it, you, you experience that. Yes, and I believe that nurse, I would have never had that kind of empathy. Um, and for her to have that just at such a young age, it, it was it was amazing. And when people say that our uh, one of the biggest things that the generation coming up lacks is empathy, I agree. I mean, I do. Be I believe there is an empathy epidemic for sure. But there are not, there are people out there that are just amazing spirits, and that if there if we could just create more empathy and and really celebrate those kind of people. I think it would make all the difference in, in our leadership skills, but also in, in just working in general. How has that shown up, empathy, for you now? How, how, how does it appear? How is it applied? How do you use it to your advantage? When I uh, am in a meeting with a staff uh, member or when I am surrounded by my staff, if I haven't spoken to anybody for about five minutes, and I'm just directing orders but not listening, I stop. And I really, really try to go for a 50% listening ratio. And I think that the little tools like that for people who suffer through empathy or who know that they have the issues, little things like that can make all the difference. If you just start measuring how much of the time you're listening versus speaking would be the number one step. When you were in the hospital, you were still a lawyer? I was, yes. So was it was it a pretty much like the day you got home, you're like, we're doing this barbershop thing. Was that like the, It was a slow transition, but I think it was a big it was, that was the, the push. big It was the beginning of, of something needed to change. Yeah. So like I alluded to, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, is founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime hiding really behind fear, using that as an excuse. I know, Steve, you, you said earlier that that's really why, admittedly, you weren't 
you weren't going in yeah Uh uh, until you had someone like like sarah to say we're we're doing this now yeah and um can you can you point out uh, another time where you were confronted by fear right in the face and you could have gone in either direction but you knew you had to push right through it um you mean with with the work or just in life whatever comes to mind um, there, there was a time. Actually, I was talking earlier. I, I came up to New York in '03. I, I'd always goofed around, and everybody said, "Oh, you should try stand up. You should try, you know, do this." And so, I was scared to death and kept coming up with excuses. And then I, I forgot who it was. Somebody was one of my friends. They were like, "Just do it. It's 400 bucks. Come up here, do a class. They'll put you out on stage, and you'll you'll do stand up, and it'll be in New York City." And so it was a. Um, it was a, a fear where I, I'm glad I did it and experienced it, and I was miserable the whole time until the end. It was a good show, thank God. But um, it was, I, I always thought, like, I'm glad the fear didn't get the best of me. Because I did actually get to the stage, and I thought, it would be funnier if I don't show and just run off the stage and just go home, and we'll go out and party, and everybody will have a good time. But um, so fear can really like it, it. It's rough, you know. It it can, you can be at a, a definite fork in the road, and and I think that sometimes it is good to just jump off that diving board, and and you know, it might not be the prettiest swim, but you'll you'll get through it. Yeah, I love that. Tell me for you, because it seems like you either don't show fear or put it aside, or what's your relationship with fear? Uh, well, my dad was a, a Vietnam vet, and uh, I grew up with horses uh, on a horse farm. And those two things combined basically taught me that you can't show fear. First of all, if you show fear to my dad, he would uh, he would give you something to really be scared of. So, so you grew up with that, and that sort of forced your personality as a very, at a very young age. It does, yeah. Now, does it almost make sense why we went into law? Yes, because it allows yeah. that and, and I had no that. fear of trying new things. But what I do now, and it's a kind of a joke around my staff, is I have a closet in my office, and if I go into the closet, everybody knows that I'm having a meltdown, and leave me alone. And so I hide in the, I hide my fear in the closet. <laughs> She's tried to get it to become a wine cellar, but we didn't think that would be a positive thing. <laughs> Before we part ways, paint the picture of your, what on paper seems to be a magnificently successful business. You started, uh, Steve, you on paper saying, oh, this is what I want at some undetermined time down the road. Sarah found the time and said, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. You you started with one shop. What do you got now? Uh, We have, uh, we actually, we lost one to Hurricane Michael last year. It blew the roof off. Uh, that was a whole craziness, but we have two corporate stores in Tallahassee and a franchise uh, that we opened this year. You went franchise? Yeah. Yes, we yeah. are franchising. Was so. that a decision you saw from the beginning, or did it just present itself? It, it just kind of presented itself, especially after losing the shop, to um, kind of diversify. But we did it on a different way. Again, it's more with the heart than the brain, probably. Okay. But it was about sharing the benefits and the things that we offer to the barbers and to the cosmetologists and to the business owners to maybe eliminate some of the pitfalls that we all went through or or as like Dave Ramsey would say the stupid tax that we've paid <laughs> um, 
and and help these people and watch them and Sarah does this whole business plan and it's basically when you know you always hear companies say oh it's turnkey well when I look at everything that she's done I'm like it's a turnkey like and it's all on your phone is your key yeah so it does make it so simple to where she'll tell you how to register she'll tell you how to do this how to do that how to get this license and then get to the store and then hire and we're, um, we're parents by nature and I think we're living out our parental dreams by um by with our staff we offer benefits we do things differently we really look at them as family but with our franchisees it's the same thing so it kind of helps us i don't know i always wanted more kids and now i feel like the business is my kid so how, how do you stand out meaning you know um it's it's a saturated market i'm sure um how do you how did you even get this far in success i think with us um there was what we have said is uh, a lot of it is lightning in a bottle and i think that we have such a different atmosphere and such a, a fun relationship and it's almost like a it's it's basically like what we're doing is is different from any other concept in that it's a family friendly vintage barbershop so we are open to men, women, kids, and we are taking that concept. Do you know about the third space concept? No. Um, it's actually what Starbucks and Panera kind of made really strong. It's the idea of a place to hang out between work and home where you can just be communal. So and be you yourself. offer that in your shop? We certainly yeah. do, yeah. We have Wi Fi bars. Oh, that Everybody I like. gets yeah. a beer. Now, does that not exist really in, in the industry yet? Not much. But good. I'm yeah. for that. You, 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 you sort of merge two models. It's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, most of the time you get in and you get out for a haircut. It's not something you really look forward to, it's just a have to. We're making it oh, something awesome. you want to do. We actually have. Have a good many people come early just so they can hang out and it's 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 just something that like my heart gets filled without sounding cheesy but every day I come in there and I see these people connect and they're off their phones even um, and they're talking and they're meeting other people that they haven't seen in a while and they're talking and they have a beer and they're or a soda or a whatever beer. yeah we are in a can for yeah. everyone over the age of 21 you yeah. serve alcohol well we give it a, we give it away for um, free. For free. So wow. yeah, yeah, and, and it's, lollipops and Sprite and Coke for the kids. We um, yeah. we want people awesome. to to feel like they just came home a little bit. When so they you got in. your um, your differentiator in check. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Where are you going from here? What's the next level? What's next? More franchises or something yeah, different? Yeah, we signed um, four more stores, and so this year we'll, we'll stop there. But then in 2020, our hope is to sign uh, 15 more. So we are building. Our processes are tight, and we're ready. So we're very excited. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes, I do. And I believe that when bad things happen and you make it through them, everybody should take a, a small amount of time, maybe a day, two days, and kind of go away to their own space, maybe a hotel, and just kind of really think about the incident, dig deep into it, and try to understand what you were supposed to learn about it, because I do think things happen for a reason. I agree. Yeah. I, I do believe that um, things do happen for a reason, and that, you know, you, you are supposed to do certain things, and when it... Uh, it's interesting because I, I, it goes back to I think there's certain people in your life that you're supposed to meet and connect with and I think that Aww. you get a um, if you're an, an I <laughs> right, right. Um, you get a D 
and oh, that D is going to push you, but you have to be open to the push. And you can't just put your wall up and you, you know, you, maybe you need to get away to that hotel room and, <laughs> you know, leave your pom-poms at home and maybe not, not just, you know, be super, or maybe be positive about yourself yeah. and, and, and don't hide. Are you a better parent or a better business owner? I think I am a, I think my kids would argue, but I, I think I'm a better parent probably just because of, um, I you know, that's a tough one because yeah. I, I, I treat, I, I look at everybody as my family, even our customers. Very so, cool. um, I, I'm very like the, the old umbrella insurance deal. I, they're all under my thing and I'm going to do whatever I can to help them just as much as I'd help my kids. I love my kids more, if that may, if that's a better answer. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That is. He's the nice dad at work and at home, and I'm the, the mean mom. So. Yes. <laughs> How do we find you online? Where do we send people? At chopbarbershop.com. I was there at the website. Unfortunately, not yet. Now you sold me just that little uh, blurb of, you know, what goes yeah. on in your shop. That would be yeah. my place. I would so go there. Awesome. I would be a, a friend and a fan and a, and a client and a customer. Just be um, part of the family. Yeah. We will be here soon <laughs> yeah. in New Jersey. So. Yeah. Oh, really? No. Well, oh. I mean, oh, you mean projecting, the yeah. the limit. Putting, yeah. putting the word out. Yeah. I like yeah. it. You have to do that. Um, well, yeah, this has been uh, wonderful. Yeah. Wrapping up for each of you. What do you think the message we've been talking about here? What does it really come down to? What is it about? I think it's about self-reflection. I think that uh, we, we get busy in our day-to-day -day existence, and I think if we can take time to self-reflect, we'll find we'll see the signs are there all along, pointing us in the direction we're supposed to go. But if we're too busy to ever look, we'll never see them. I love that. What about for you, Steve? I believe that whatever you really want to do in your life, you'll get at, at least one opportunity. You might get more, but you'll get that one. And I feel like when you get it you need to know it and run with it and i do believe because people constantly are like 15 years it sat in your notebook then i wish you did it before and i said no i didn't meet sarah back then and danny and i had known each other but we were in and out of each other's lives and the way he had become a barber and she did her stuff and with all of her eq training and her lawyer background and the way it was i think it was just the perfect intersection in my life and uh, I'm very thankful and blessed wow I will leave you each with this final question okay how would you like to be remembered I would like to be remembered as a uh, I'll, I'll go with the cheerleader but I'll go with the giver you know um, I, I definitely put people in front of myself and I don't I'm not resentful towards it I, I feel like that's what we should be as humans is we're here to help people and um, and I just I want people to remember me as you know this guy really really helped me and even if it, they're not with our program or our business or anything but they'll just say that you know he did what he could to help me and for you Sarah I think I think the legacy I would like to leave behind is vulnerability and the lesson that um, it's okay to sh overshare, it's okay to be imperfect, it's okay to have struggles, but 
I would like to be remembered as a person who had all those things, but was aware of them and worked every day to try harder. And I love that you discovered that in real time for yourself through that incident in the hospital, but you got there, like we all get there. Like you said, Steve, we all, yeah. we all get there. And I love the uh, idea that whatever we want to do, there will be at least one opportunity in life that you have to be aware of, you have to see, because we see it, it just depends yeah. on whether we're gonna, we're gonna grab it, we're gonna inch towards it, or we're just gonna you know, look the other way. Yeah, I agree. Makes so much sense. Well, thank you. Thank you. Steve thank you. and Sarah Bolander. Beautiful people. I appreciate you both for joining. Coming Thank up. Thank you. It was Thank a pleasure. You so much. Absolutely cool. Coming to you live from Propellify Innovation Festival. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Thanks for again. listening to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.